0: Hello, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioan Show. Today we have episode 82 and have the real pleasure and good fortune to talk to former high school classmate John Stahl, who's a small business restaurant owner of PJ Marley's and Farmer's Table in Medina, Ohio, and is a Buckeye High School school board member. And today we're going to talk about kind of his path on how he got to those positions and then what the impact is of the coronavirus, and everything he's working through in both those scenarios. John, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Ron. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's, it's such a pleasure to get to reconnect and talk to you. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yep.
1: I'm just sitting here thinking of memories of, uh, <laughs> you know, Jake Merriman and stupid stuff we did.
0: <laughs> yep. 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 And that's one of the good things, I guess, about this situation is we have more time to, to do these things. and. hmm And reconnect so that I I know I've certainly done that Uh, wonder if you could John for the audience a little bit could you give a little background on where you grew up family where you went to school and then how you got involved in becoming a small business owner
1: okay Uh, I was born in Medina Ohio Uh, lived here for uh, my entire life through uh, high school went to Buckeye high school graduated in 1990 and uh from there went to uh, the Ohio State University and I was uh, lucky enough to meet my wife there Patty and she was from the East Eastside uh, Euclid graduate and we worked at uh, at that time it was known as BW3s but it was their uh original store right on Ohio State's campus and we basically worked there through college and and started dating and uh you know back then we had talked about you know let's open a restaurant someday and uh we kind of followed a real traditional path of dating and then we got a dog together and the dog's name was Marley. And, uh, um, so like even before we got engaged, it's like, let's have a restaurant. We can call it P for Patty, J for John Marley's. And, uh, we actually scratched that out on a, uh, cocktail napkin, probably about 1994, 95, I think it was. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we, we graduated college. We went into our careers, but always had talked about it. And, uh, we were living in Columbus for a while. And after we had our first, uh, two children, Jacob and Jonathan, uh, we decided that we wanted to raise them in a, uh, community like we had grown up in more so. So, and it was, uh, actually a pretty easy choice between, uh, Buckeye and Euclid. So we moved back up to the Buckeye school district and, uh, two more kids up here so we have four boys um and we've had pj Marley since 2014 and it was probably um eight years ago we were you know sitting around talking and it's like well we're not getting any younger and if we really ever because we've always talked about the restaurant thing it's like if we want to do it we better do it now before we get too old (laughs) and uh um, I think it took about a year to find the right building, uh, for PJ Marley's, but we opened that in 2014 and we, we do hamburgers, um, and we do them really well. Cause we, uh, we always talked about doing local. And so we get all our beef from Medina Lorraine County farms and, uh, it has really, uh, done well throughout the years. So we're uh, always talked about opening another restaurant. We, you know, we had about a five-year plan and, uh. Uh, we were lucky enough, uh, with the relationship we had with Keller's and Kaylee Keller. Um, Kaylee, Patty, and I, uh, went in on a deal and we, uh, are part owners of the old farmer's exchange building in Medina. And we had just opened a brand new restaurant, uh, and, uh, market there, the farmer's table restaurant at the exchange market, uh, in February. So, um, it wasn't great timing, but we didn't see it coming. And, uh, you know, we were, uh. The restaurant part of it's closed down now, just like PJ Marley's is closed down, but we're, uh, you know, having meetings and talking every day about our reopening and what we're going to do. But uh, yeah, pretty much, you know, that's how we got in the restaurant business and we really enjoyed it, you know, particularly our employees and, um, you know, we employ over 65 people, which is awesome. Um, It's, uh, you know, cool to employ uh, kids and friends that you work with—it's more like a uh, family-type atmosphere that we have, and we really enjoy it. So, um, blessed in that respect. And uh, you know, it's—it's it's a unique time in this country, obviously. Um, but I think with unique times comes unique opportunities, and we're looking forward to what happens over the next six months to a year, and what we can do with everything. Uh,
0: uh, for the audience that doesn't uh, know. Uh, PJ Marley's is in a very historic, well, both your businesses are very, Mm -hmm. very unique historical locations. Talk about the Medina square and what was the process like to, to get there and, and, and build that up?
1: Um, well, starting with PJ's, I mean, we kind of focused in on the Medina square area. We looked at multiple buildings on the square, um, And before we kind of uh, lucked into P.J. Marley's, it was built in 1891, and it was the old savings deposit bank building. uh, And it it was a bank up until 2014. So it had been a bank its entire uh, span of the building. So the building was extremely well cared for. Um, Kind of uh, just a funny story. It was uh, sold. The last bank it was was Key Bank. And it was sold and uh, the price it was listed by, and this is, this is kind of good advice for anyone out there looking at stuff. It was way out of our price range, way out of our price range. Um, but our realtor, um, Mr. Gershbacher, you know, it's like, hey, come look at it. We did. And the one thing I was looking at on the sheet, it's like this, this square footage is ridiculous. You know, um, it seems way too big. You know, so I uh, went down to Medina Hardware built bought a wheel so we could measure everything and it's like the square footage is wrong so it has if anyone's been in the building there's a beautiful um, ceiling that that uh, was a drop ceiling but before they had a drop ceiling and it was like a cathedral up there and they used to have a uh, painting of the sky and everything that they covered up and it it doesn't look right now so we've cut the drop ceiling but they counted all that as square footage so, they counted it as two floors when it was actually one floor in a basement. So, we we took the square footage, what their asking price was, and came up with a price for square footage and said, hey, you got the square footage wrong, it's actually this, and gave them an offer that was about half of what uh, – they had asked so we expected to be laughed out of the building and they came back, uh, only five grand more. And it was like, whoa! <laughs> you know, we just saved ourselves $275,000. Wow. So, uh, um, you know, that's how we got that building. And it's got so much personality. Um, it's got a vault in it, which is, uh, beautiful. And the, the, the door is awesome. And, you know, you can dine in the vault. It's, it's not something you'd expect in a city, um, as quaint and small as Medina, it's a little, uh, uh, like, you know, downtown Cleveland's got the, the, the vault uh, next to the Heinens there. And it's, it's, it's very, actually, we have the same vault. The first vault, when you walk in that restaurant, we've got the exact same one, and our ceilings are exactly the same too. So uh, um, it, it's just a neat little place. And uh, we, we kept as much of the old building as we could. Even some of the walls are, like, re, we repurposed the teller wall and uh, um, kept all the old woodwork we put in wallpaper that was very similar to what was on the walls it's just you know we're very proud and uh, happy of pj marley's we miss it so much right now and we miss our customers but uh, it's a great little place and uh, it's it's been doing extremely well for the past six years and uh, we hope to be there a lot longer
0: that's great Uh, so i I do have some questions i want to Circle back to mm-hmm. about both the businesses, uh, but I did want to, you know, paint the picture for the audience because the Farmers Exchange—that's such an another unique historical location. Mm-hmm. That I mean, it really it became maybe blight's too strong a word, but it it it, it was condemned. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was it was it was run down. It wasn't occupied anymore, and I I know there had been a lot of ideas that had circulated throughout time about ranging from tearing it down to doing this, that, and the other. Can you kind of walk the audience through what the process was with that? And I guess you, at the beginning, paint the picture of what, what the structure looked like that was still. So uh,
1: the original building was built in 1915. And uh, so a, a farmer's exchange is where it was the hub of the community. So every all the farmers would, you know, bring their, their grains and everything there. They would turn it into feeds. They would send the rail spur um, would go right up to the building. Some of it would be sent off to be processed. Um, but it was the hub of the community. Um, and in 1915 was this, you know, uh, you know, small wooden structure and that burned to the, burned to the ground. Um, excuse me. It was built in 1904 burned to the ground in 1915 and they rebuild it and it burned to the ground again in 1935 and the only thing left standing in 35 was the concrete um, silos Uh, not like a traditional silo but the the rectangular ones right in the middle of the building where they divided all the grains you know soybeans wheat whatever and uh and right across the street was medina concrete and they're like we're going to build this building again and we're going to make sure it doesn't burn again and it was considered Um, Ohio's first fireproof building Um, so it was all brick and mortar it is so solid it's ridiculous but all the concrete came from about 500 yards away and they built it the same year it burned down so I mean think about that now it's a four-story building um, that burned to the ground in 1935 and was rebuilt in 1935 you couldn't even do that now because of all the paperwork involved (laughs) and, and getting everything going and uh, um, the floors are anywhere it it, it fluctuates as you go um, the layout's not the same on every floor the beams change the height of the ceiling changes as the floors go up so it's, it's quite unique but the floors are about six inches of concrete on, on average and uh, it's got a garden level and then three stories above it and uh, we love it to death it's a it's a wonderful building but it had fallen on some hard times the building was condemned by the city and uh you know we, Kaylee, uh, Patty, and I have been looking for something to do um, for you know restaurant number two, and we uh, came up with this idea of like a, a mini west side West side market type thing like a, a run or something like that. And uh, we went to the city and gave them our idea, and they put us in touch with a uh, construction company, um, a, a small developer and we got two other partners in on the building too and um started that way it it was a unique project lots of uh ups and downs um and uh uh, you know the uh you know two of the partners you you know working like crazy and great with everything but we were very excited um what to do we got tax credits we were the first project to get the uh, state and federal tax credits in medina county and, uh, you know, even working through that, through this process has been interesting. And, uh, um, but what that means is when you get the state, crack, state historical tax credits and the federal ones is they give you guidelines on how to do the building. So the, the historical period of this building is actually in the 60s. So, um, you know, we're open for business and everything. It's not complete, but when we get the signage, it's going to be like 1965 era signage that you've seen on the building. So. It's not going to be neon. It's going to be neon light because no one does neon anymore, <laughs> but uh, uh, very neat. But it's got a garden level uh, there uh, that's unfinished now, but it's going to have a brewery in the garden level, uh, Medina County Brewing Company, which is an offshoot of Avon. And on the first floor is where the farmer's table is and the exchange market. And then the exchange market is made up of Keller Meats. And then there's uh, pierogies of Cleveland has a stand there where it's greenhouse. Uh, Ravine's Edge, um, Made and Grown, which is filled with products that are made and grown in Medina County, Um, Camo and Caviar, which is a women's clothing boutique, and uh, 1904 Brews, which is a a small coffee and pastry shop with Ohio beer as well. And the big focus on that building, um, just like PJ Marley's did local beef, but we do kind of local everything. So all the meat on the menu at the restaurant came from Keller Meats, which means Medina and Lorain County every beer on tap was an Ohio beer, uh, 20 different Ohio spirits. Um, you know, at the coffee shop, we have, um, coffee that comes from a a grower in Strongsville and we also work for Medina Creative Housing. So our focus on that is like, you know, when you shop local, typically you're helping out that local business, but when you shop local at the exchange, you're helping us out, but you're helping like, all the farms that contributed to all that meat and stuff and the coffee growers and pierogies in Cleveland, which is on the menu as well. Um, you can get the mushrooms in our restaurant, which we sell in the market too, are grown in Valley city, Ohio. <laughs> so um, it's just nice to do all that stuff and keep it as local as possible. Um, but it's great. It's awesome. Wow. That's,
0: did, did you ha- get to have much of an opening before the shutdown happened?
1: We haven't had a grand opening yet. Okay. so We had scheduled the grand opening, um, for, uh, April and, uh, um, we were waiting for the brewery to open as, as well. And we had opened in February and we wanted a few weeks before we had the grand opening anyway. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just what it is. We will have a grand opening someday and we will celebrate. It could be September or October. It depends. So we'll do it as soon as, uh, As soon as uh, everything's up and running again. So the the brewery's still working through some of their, they haven't opened yet, but a lot of their stuff they're waiting on now too is for uh, the state to reopen. So they have to put their tap system in, um, which they need to get their health certification. And no one's doing that right now. They have to wait a couple of weeks and then the health department's not going out doing some inspections. And once they do then they have to get their liquor license. So they're, they're probably looking at June,
0: hopefully. I got you. Uh, I, I have a feeling you hit on some of these points already. Uh, the audience may may or may not know Medina, Ohio. Very competitive with restaurants and mm-hmm. and in the food industry in general. Uh, as well as that whole area, I mean anything within a half hour drive there. There's a there's a lot there. How do you differentiate yourself?
1: We we differentiate by being local and um again you're you're when you buy something on our menu you you know it's fresh um uh like at, at pj marley's a lot of places get their your, your meat in and they'll get it once a week okay you know we probably get meat four or five times a week and it has literally uh been ground that morning and it's never frozen we, we don't freeze any of our burger meat or anything like that um, that the freezer we have at pj Marley's is extremely tiny and small and actually that was one of our um one of our issues sorry about that one of our issues um when we uh COVID hit was okay we need to start you know just preserve this food we need to freeze it we have no freezers <laughs> so uh, it's like let's go out and get some freezers but you know there's no microwaves there or anything everything's done fresh and uh It's not a hundred percent scratch kitchen, but it's pretty close. So like when we get uh, stuff in, there's nothing that really comes in where you open it up and serve it. Okay. Our, our pickle chips is a great example. So uh, they come in as cucumbers. So we slice them, uh, we salt them uh, and ice them down for about four hours. When we get them, we make the brine, we, you know, put the brine over them and in about three weeks we have pickles. So making a bucket of pickles for us takes three weeks. And, you know, we we think that extra little effort and stuff like that um, sets us apart. You know, the burgers are, it's a a special grind they do for us. Um, And we season them up and we patty them up. And we do them at both places a little differently, but it's doing that little little extra thing we always want to do. Um, Like our French fries, um, you know, they come in as potatoes. We slice them up, we soak them, we get the starch out of them. Uh, we, we do what we call uh, blanching them, which is partially cooking them. And then we chill them down again, put them in the walk-in. Right. And then when we're ready to serve them or fry them again, so they're always double fried, which gets you that crispy on the outside and that fluffy on the inside. And, you know, it's it's, it's those things that we feel set us apart. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it also it makes the food delicious. <laughs> and that, that's what we always want. It starts with the food. We try not to do anything too fancy, but it's like the food, you know, has to be good.
0: How did you and and Patty educate yourselves on developing these recipes and learning how to prepare 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 all these food options?
1: Um, well, we had worked at B- Buffalo Wild Wings, BW3s, together, and uh, in in my uh, career, I traveled a lot early on and you know we had always talked about this and i started collecting menus and i would talk to people a lot and 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 go and grab the menu and some places uh, uh you know come right to mind and some don't we'd also uh, gosh for about a year straight i think we watched every episode of diners drive-ins and dives and tested recipe on recipe out uh, but like a couple of them i'll tell you I, I went to i don't know the name of the restaurant but i uh, was working for Cedar Enterprises, which is a well, Wendy's franchisee. And uh, I went to uh, San Antonio and went to a uh, Hispanic restaurant right out of San Antonio. And they had these things, they called them bottle caps. And they were just basically deep fried jalapenos, you know, coated in uh, butter or a flour and deep fried. And uh, that's on our menu at PJ Marley's. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I went there and, um, this wonderful uh, little old lady was the cook in the kitchen (laughs) It's like well how do you make those you know and she just oh just take them dredge them in flour throw them in the fryer you know 30 seconds they're done we do the exact same thing with that one um a lot of the stuff we've uh, tweaked uh, making the hamburger seasoning um probably took a little while you know just getting it just right um and we've made you know we've changed things up on on along the way um and whenever we find something that we think is better. But like uh, a lot of it is, uh, you know, borrowed from places around the country. i tell you, our, our pickles, which are delicious and we love them, um, came from a little place in South Carolina. <laughs> so uh, we just tweaked it a little bit. That was a diners, drive-ins, and dives special. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, All right. It, it's been fun. That's one of the best things is uh, testing out new
0: recipes
1: and experimenting it's, right. uh, it's right. a lot of fun to do stuff like that
0: right. right so shifting gears a little bit and then we'll kind of circle back to kind of where we're at right now uh, what what made you decide to run for school board <laughs>
1: uh temporary insanity probably but uh um that was i've been on the school board since 2010 and uh, uh for those not familiar with medina or buckeye schools uh Uh, I had, uh, at that point, I had a, my oldest was eight. So I had an eight-year-old and Buckeye had not passed a levy, I think at that time in 16 years or something like that. And uh, there was a lot of, I think, mistrust between the community and the school board and the administration and things like that. And, uh, um, you know, most of it was due to lack of what I thought was lack of communication and lack of transparency. So um, they had a position open up because someone resigned and I applied for it and I was chosen in September, uh, 2010. So.
0: And then how, when did you, how many, how long are the terms and, how many times have you been reelected? Uh, I've
1: been reelected twice. The terms are four years. Um, so I uh, was on there too, uh a year and then I had to run again. So I've got, uh, um, uh, my term will expire, not this January, but next January. Okay. It's December.
0: Okay. Did you, so you're, you were trying to go in and Bridge the communication gap and yeah, make things I mean, transparent.
1: Um, I had younger kids. Um, a lot of the voices at the in the younger and the, you know, uh, when you start off with kids in school, you know, the first couple times you go in there, you just try to sit there and listen, and everything was being talked about was all these, you know, high school kids and stuff like that, and those are the big. Big issues that came to the forefront and you know and i I love sports and and everything like that, but um, you know the big issues were all about high school and you know uh, our, our football teams not doing well you know they they uh, a couple of years before they had canceled um, athletics at Buckeye and had no athletics and they had paid a play which was at a ridiculous amount when I came on the school board um, you know it was uh... um, I believe, 600 and some odd dollars per sport um, for your kid to play. And, you know, that's just the beginning, too, because there's a additional costs when your kid goes and plays sports. And, um, you know, the question, you know, just asking questions like, well, how much money is that? How's that benefit, you know, X, Y, and Z? And how, you know, is it totally self-funded or things like that? And, and, you know, talking about making good business decisions. Um, you know, my boss at Cedar enterprises, David Karam was extremely analytical. And it's like looking at these numbers and seeing if we're actually making great purchasing decisions. I mean, those are some things that I don't think a lot of people look at when, and, you know, that's what I tried to bring to the school board. Um, you know, just some examples I'll tell you, uh, you know, we had just purchased, um, Right after I got on the board, there was a complaint about, oh, they're making the Booster Club play for football helmets. You know, in addition to an extremely large amount of pay to play, um, the Booster Club was buying football helmets. And in my mind, it's like, OK, you're paying the money for pay to play. Everything you need for the sport should come from the school. And the football helmets definitely is needed to play football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I had come from uh, my job right before that was at Dick's Sporting Goods. So it's like, okay, I know sports equipment. So, you know, he's like, well, they wanted us to donate like $3,200 for football helmets. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of helmets. And he's like, well, no, we only got 10 helmets. <laughs> and I'm like, we paid $320 for 10 helmets. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's stuff like that. So like, you know, I was like, why do we pay so much? Oh, these helmets are great. They're great. Yeah, they're great. Um, and yeah, they do measure um, the impact of the, the hit in the head. If you buy the additional fifty thousand dollars piece of equipment to hook up to the helmet, which we didn't have anyway, so you didn't need that part. <laughs> um, Wadsworth, which is a Division One school, it just bought helmets down the road, and uh, you know we asked them what they paid for a helmet, and they paid one hundred and sixty dollars, and we paid three hundred twenty. <laughs> so, uh, as like looking at decisions like that, it's like you know what we can make better decisions for our community and you know hopefully you know lower pay to play and it's not just decisions like that but decisions across the board it's like what can we do better to reduce our cost for our families you know anything from the the stuff you bring in at the beginning of the year to what you pay for school fees it's like well what exactly is that going for (laughs) so um our school fees we were buying a lot of uh uh, programs and stuff that we weren't even using (laughs) so but it was we had bought them each and every year and it just gotten used to it. So it's like, okay, we uh, accelerated reader reading. We had done that for first and second grade, but we didn't start it till third, but we were charging our parents for that in the school fee and we were paying the licensing for it, but not one teacher used it in first and second grade. And it's like, that's, that's a few thousand dollars that we're paying for that we're not even using. So, you know, focusing on that stuff, we have a very good superintendent right now. Um, which is a huge part of it. Our superintendent treasurer are uh, wonderful people and uh, they recognize the value of, uh, uh, you know, this is the community's money, basically. They do a great job of watching it for us. So blessed to have, uh, have them at
0: Buckeye. So many in the audience, and, and I'm included in this, we go to the open session. So we know what those look like in a board meeting. What what you know? Of course, I don't want you to spill confidentiality and specifics. But what in general is talked about in executive session in a board meeting?
1: It can be anything. Um, Anytime you talk about um, employees, um, anytime you talk about kids in specifics, and and anytime you talk about negotiations, that's executive session. So, um, you know, unfortunately. Um, but uh, like society, I always tell this, you know, 90% of the people in this world are great. Okay. Um, 10% art. And then you, you can break that down into different levels to find that and um, I find that's pretty pretty across the board in everything. So, you know, not everyone's gonna be a wonderful person and you, you, you try to, to weed those people out and, you know, most of our uh, teachers and staff are just great, wonderful people, but that's, you know, what you talk about in executive session is that other 10%. <laughs> and, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, and, and the, the same mistakes that we were here whispered about when we were in school, we, we just hear them in more detail in, uh, executive session, I think. And, uh, unfortunately I have to take action on that. So. Uh,
0: where, where in your tenure did Common Core come into discussion and has Buckeye implemented any of that or, or was that very controversial?
1: Um, it's extremely controversial. Um, I, I think the biggest thing parents, uh, have issues with now is probably the math and how they teach <laughs> right. math, yeah. and which is which is with all this at home um, online learning I think that's going to take another hiccup for uh, the teachers next year because uh, uh, it, it is different <laughs> on how they teach the math and I can tell you that uh, when my son had math questions my nine-year-old I reverted back to the way I was taught and showed him how to do things that way and, and, and did try to bring his way into it as well. Um, uh, that's the thing I hear the most pushback on is the math. I hear a lot though on uh, state testing and um, you know, everyone's got an opinion on state testing. Uh, I'll say this, it's, it's a snapshot in time and um, should never be used to fully evaluate a school at that you know for everything now if they're consistently performing low um, then there's probably an issue but also if they're consistently performing high you know i I hate to teach to the test okay and i'm probably not in full agreement with with all my fellow board members on this too but i hate teaching to the test i i prefer um, a different type of teacher and and that's just me but the, the teacher that you know is that cares um that teaches you the subject matter but also goes a little bit above and beyond that um those are all always my best teachers at buckeye you know anywhere from mrs Crean um to uh mr major um al Barch. you know the uh, those were teachers that went above and beyond that taught you a little bit about uh, what to do in life and and everything else too and i i think of those teachers I mentioned, Missus Crean especially, would probably struggle with state testing. <laughs> and you know, she was a wonderful teacher and uh, um, one of the best we had there. And it's uh, a, a lot of the state tests, uh, you know, they're, they're they're different. And it's you, we focus so much time and energy on that stuff, and then some of the subjects that aren't tested, I think, get pushed to the back burner a little bit in that regard as well. So, I mean, history has never been a subject that's been involved in the state test that much. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it was one of my favorite subjects and it's my kids too, but unfortunately uh, it doesn't get as much focus as,
0: as the other ones, so. Do you feel, Do you feel it's, beneficial it's beneficial or detrimental the amount of state and federal involvement as you're trying to locally run the school district?
1: It, it's not a perfect system. And like, you know, and it, but it's not a system I would like to try to, to run either. Because when they look at it, I mean, in all honesty, when, when the people in Columbus look at how to fix Ohio schools, they're not looking at Buckeye and Medina. They're looking at Columbus City Schools. They're looking at Cleveland City Schools, Cincinnati, Toledo, and all the big cities which unfortunately it's not a snapshot of what we have at Buckeye or even next door in Medina, you know, we're a local school. We're not a city school. Um, it's a big difference. And, uh, and they try mm-hmm. to fix the most problems and affect the most kids. And they're not really doing what benefits our kids. So I would benefit, I would, I would like more local control of, of, of the dollars spent. But again, there needs to be some oversight. Okay. because. Um, I, I, have seen it too easily where dollars are misspent because they act like it's not their money and, or, uh, it's free money and it's not always free money out. Um, our, uh, the schools are pretty much closed down. Um, we're bringing a new class in and this is why I love our superintendent. And, uh, he's like, yeah, we needed to build a new, um, uh, well, basically a wall. He goes, we're taking a classroom. We're dividing it. So I need a wall and I need a doorway. And, uh maintenance. It's like, well, I'll call someone up to do it. He's like, it's just a wall on a doorway because your maintenance, let's keep it internal. Let's do it internal. We don't need to call anyone for that. And that's, you know, that's the way to do stuff like that. What can you do on your own to save money? And, you know, if, if you got your own business and you got to call someone in all the time, you realize that, okay, just for them to come out, okay, for a plumber, I don't know, around 150 bucks, you know, an electrician, about about the same, you know, and it's like, if you can fix some of that stuff yourself, you know, because these are huge buildings and huge investments in the community and, you know, plumbing, especially, I mean, I'm guessing everyone out here listening has walked into a school and walked in a school bathroom and seen a leaky faucet (laughs) because it just happens. And when I worked for the Wendy's franchisee, um, they had this document, which was awesome. So basically if you saw a leaky faucet, you had to count the drips in 10 seconds and then they had a formula and they told you how much water you were wasting on a monthly and then yearly basis by how many times it was dripping and uh, it was a nice little piece that someone put together and uh every time i walk in and see a leaky faucet i'm like come on
0: guys
1: it's just a fix it so yeah so another
0: question about the school district how often do you take your kids down memory lane? And and here's where I'm going with it. I'm in awe of the athletic facilities today mm-hmm. that are that are at Buckeye. I I when I when I when we go up there and visit my folks and and, and my wife's folks, I, I I tell the boys, "Yep, this is this wasn't there, this wasn't there, this wasn't mm-hmm. there." I, do do your sons have a sense of how lucky they are? for the facilities that they have?
1: I, I think my oldest definitely does. Um, yeah, they, they're a little bit spoiled with the facilities. And even, it, it's tough for me to be in this community and hear people complain about our facilities. <laughs> and that they're not, we just joined a new conference, uh, the, the Great Lakes Conference, um, uh, which we won in football this year. So awesome that we won it in wrestling too. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I think we're the only school I think there's two schools in the conference that don't have turf. And, you know, that was one of the things, oh, we definitely need to get turf and, um, you know, a bunch of booster uh, people this summer, uh, Diane Maitland and everything. They, you know, we cleaned up our bathroom and our concession stand made it look good. But I tell them I'm like the the track, which by, they just, they've got a brand new track. I call it brand new. It's, it's over 12 years old. They're resurfacing it this week. Um, and I'm like, I still call that track brand new. And I'm like, we had a track meet my freshman year in high school, and that was the last track meet they had for years because we still ran on cinders. Right.
0: right. <laughs>
1: and no one wanted to run on cinders after our freshman year. I'm like, I did not have a home track meet all through high school. <laughs> and and I'm like, that's just the way it was. And I I didn't think it was bad. I actually think it prepared because I we'd run on that cinder track. And then we'd get on these all weather tracks and be like, wow, this is easy. (laughs) And that's, you know, they, they've kind of run on all weather tracks, but they, the the facilities, um, have come a long way and, uh, there's still more to come. Uh, we are working on a facility plan and, uh, there's some dreaming going on and, uh, um, you know, probably within five to, uh, you know, eight years, you'll see some huge changes at Buckeye too. Um, Hmm. You know, some of the things do need upgraded. Um, the wrestling room is the same one they've had for years. <laughs> and I, I think that does need upgraded. But they got a new baseball field last year. Um, I was disappointed to see it move to the back because I love to have it up, uh, up front. And uh, But it's next to the, the softball field back there. Um, and and the, the, the track is, is phenomenal um, compared to what we ran on. And everything which again i still call it the new track and it's getting resurfaced this, this week so right. but it'll be hopefully my my senior who's uh missing his uh senior year of track uh, um you know in a few weeks he'll he'll go and he'll he'll jog around that track at least once or twice so just to try it out
0: right cool. right so so circling back to today uh i think you said pj marley's is closed you're not doing takeout
1: no we're not we we did take out um, for a little while there um, it was very uh, very very tough for us to do and um, you know it, it it's not what we did um, and we really didn't have time to adapt which is what we've been doing now so when we reopen we'll be doing some uh, carry out obviously and stuff like that uh, we were losing money every day and Medina has been very supportive um, you know a lot of restaurants have shut down a lot of stayed open and people continue to go out and support those restaurants and they've you know um, they're, they're doing a good job and I, I know it's tough for a lot of them out there um, to try to keep their names viable and everything like that but uh, we were just losing money each and every day and in the early couple weeks we weren't sure exactly how long this would go on we were probably more optimistic then. than it was that it was like, okay, this is going to be a month, maybe two at the outmost. And we'll, we'll see what we can do here. Uh, you know, now reality is a lot different and uh, we do plan on reopening, reopening fairly soon on both of them. And we will, we've tweaked menus. We've changed. It's, it's basically like going in and opening two new businesses again and, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you change your, your, uh, uh, Vision statement. Okay, your mission may still be the same, but your vision has got to be a little different in how you do everything. And there's stuff to adapt to. I, I, I think all fair I, I talked to you about. You know, yesterday Governor Dewine gave a uh, his update, and everyone had to wear masks. And you know, you spend an hour and a half today trying to get masks sourced and everything ready to go. And then today on the update, there's no mask needed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, things change every day. We just have to be fluid. Um, But like, uh, oh, this is exciting because I went to the store today and I, I found some of this, which is antibacterial. <laughs> so, right. but we're going to need a lot of it. we're going to need a lot of that in, in the stores to uh, in restaurants uh, to do what we need to do. And uh, that's why I was so excited to see that on the shelf today.
0: Yep. And,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, but like beef prices, beef prices are right now about 25% more of what you know we would be paying for beef and everything. If you can find uh, meat in your stores. I know Color uh, Meats is doing a fantastic job of everything, uh, but a lot of the cities they're they're having trouble finding uh, meat on the shelves and everything. So hopefully that's something that that clears up and everything. So that's a whole another story. We could talk about that for hours. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh,
0: so there's been a lot of state, federal. "Quote unquote" assistance being offered to small businesses. Mm-hmm. What what's that process looking like for you? You we talked off air that you the mountains of paperwork. What what's what's it look like? What's have you had any outcomes from it yet? Mm-hmm. Um, we were all
1: over it from the beginning. Patty was doing paperwork uh, at the very beginning, and it is lots and lots of paperwork, um, and I can't even begin to tell you some of the dates but it at first it went by bank so they encouraged you the the first couple of weeks to go with the bank you had your loan with because they know you they've got all your information stuff like that so at pj marley's which is the one we started with uh is chase so i think um dealing with them was was a little tougher than the the other bank we dealt with fifth third uh but a lot of it had to do with the the banker and uh, uh on on basically their knowledge of what was going on because it was changing every day so if they weren't doing their homework at night they didn't know what was going on the next day and uh, we submitted paperwork for pj marley's on the 9th of april and as of today we haven't gotten anything um but we're we're hoping we do get something um, for that right away Um, a few days after that i believe it was april 13th or 14th we submitted for um, the farmers table with fifth third and uh, we haven't received the money yet but we've been okayed for the money and expect to receive it shortly that's on the ppp plan Um, so we're extremely thankful for that and um, you know there's a lot of stuff tied into that money and how you do it but basically we'll be able to start bringing people back um, hopefully as early as next week and you know, working with them on our plan to get the restaurants up and opening. So, um, but uh, we're still hopeful for getting that for PJ Marley's as well. So, but it's, the paperwork uh, was extensive. It changed a lot at the beginning. Um, You know, one of the uh, things everyone complained about and rightfully so was the, uh, the big businesses finding the loopholes and all that stuff. And, know that's been going on for years it's not just this particular loan process i am extremely thankful some of those people gave it back and it got back in the system but uh you know that i think that's probably another show we can talk about corporations (laughs) and uh how with their subsidiaries and, and little companies have uh kind of manipulated the system and uh you know monopolies that that are technically not monopolies but actually are so we, we've been seeing that for years mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is, this is the same type deal so um hopefully they close that loophole in round two and it goes to where they intended to get it to go so because i will re- i really think energizing the small businesses um is the right right way to go in this.
0: so hopefully it works out yeah and i'm and, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're in a similar situation uh, at the, at the Miami rec center where I work at all of our discussion it, for the most part is disinfecting and how often we're going to, we expect we're going to have to clean. Yep. Uh, and, and it's just, it, not, and, it, and, it, and I'm sure it's your situation too. It's, it's not that we weren't clean. It's, it's going to be a whole level level of expectation based on fear and you know what what's been the result of, of mm-hmm. what's been happening and, uh, and 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 like you said we we have the similar concerns about the sourcing of the the, the disinfectant yeah. and uh, and you know the social distancing it, you know because we we're, The thought of not having a basketball court available for pickup basketball—that's that's that's radical. It is, is. and and having to having having to keep distance in a workout facility uh, when when there's times where we've got a couple hundred people in the building—that that's not an easy thing to do. No, I'm I'm, and I don't know what
1: Governor Dewine will do. Um, I anticipated more stuff reopening or at least some guidelines for it. There was really nothing announced on restaurants. Um, you're going to see new positions or maybe not new positions, but ones that haven't been utilized for a while. Uh, we've discussed having in the restaurants, we're going to have bathroom uh, attendants. They won't be necessarily in the bathroom. Okay. But they will be directing people where to wait. So one person at a time can use the bathroom, and as soon as that person uses the bathroom, they'll be in there disinfecting. It, <laughs> right. Uh, right, which people are just going to have to get used to because I—that's I, probably going to be one of the requirements to do. And you know, when we were doing carry out for that week, uh, we clean the bathrooms a lot. I mean, we—you always clean the bathrooms in any place um, at least three to four times a day, plus as needed. You know, if uh, uh, accidents and happen, now it'll be after every single use you'll be going in there to clean those bathrooms um there hasn't been any direction on that i actually um have anticipated like maybe we can use a a sprayer like a garden spray sprayer and have a uh, bleach and water solution in there um and just spray down every everything and you know you have to let it sit there for a little right. bit to kill right. stuff right. okay so right. it's you know it's like don't get up and expect to use the bathroom right away there could be someone in it you could be four people online and we're just getting them in there as quickly as but that's that's something like from the rec center it's like every time someone sits down at that bench gets back up you're gonna have to be right there cleaning and that's when i'm anticipating that they're gonna have you do and it's like that's a huge additional cost and right, that, right. that's just uh, you know that that's going to be the cost of doing business and i can understand that but it's that's not the business you guys signed up to do and but now it's going to be and right, right. everyone's gonna have to get used to that that's the the ppp is great we're very excited about it um it just scratches the surface i mean um you know we're our place is pj marley's and the farmer's table on a friday saturday night would be packed um you know i told you about the local spirits and the drinks and the craft beers that's part of the ambiance of everything and that's not going to be part of the dining experience for a long time. Um, but that was part of our business plan. So now you have to look at a totally different business plan and say, how can we make this profitable? So, I mean, replacing the payroll is wonderful, but you know, that was the old business and this is not the old business. That, that would work if everything was status quo and we know it's not going to be status quo. So it's like, how do we get it to work? Which is, again, it's like launching a new business. And with, with you guys, with any business, you got your budget and you didn't expect, you'd expect, you know, most people when they work out kind of wipe their sweat off and stuff, but that's not going to work. Anymore. <laughs> now you'll be spraying each and every one after everyone uses everything. Uh, you know, how do the locker rooms work out of the showers? Where I mean, it's you got to think about everything and getting the product in is not gonna be easy. That's why when he announced the mask, it's like, okay, we're not gonna do a mask, we gotta figure this out. And you know, let's jump all over it and then you know, twenty-four hours later it's something new. It's understandable that's gonna happen. Um, but it it's like that with everything. You know, you have to you, you wanna plan for it, uh, but you don't want to plan too much because the the game might change. Right. So. Uh-
0: Going back to school board, are you, are you, are you anticipating a fall opening?
1: I I surely hope so. I think it may be a blended version. Um, my kids want to go to school. Well, three out of four want to go to school. And, you know, one of them will be starting college in the fall. And, uh, you know, his college experience is going to be so much different than mine. I mean, I remember driving down to Ohio State my freshman year and, um, you know, the music, the people, the the cookouts, I, I was, you know, small town Buckeye kid, I was amazed. You know, uh, my son's first college experience is probably going to be this.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: and, you know, it's like, how do you meet people? How do you interact and, and stuff, uh, you know? with this for the first time like when you meet someone for the first time and it's just talking back and forth so it'll be interesting it'll be different and you know time will tell because i've always said uh kids nowadays need to work on their social skills and i've always said well that's what college is for you know (laughs) but well we'll see (laughs) maybe it's not anymore (laughs) right
0: Hmm. yeah we're we're looking at the same thing too and I mean, there there's a lot in there. I mean, Miami's enrollment is is down for for the up incoming class, and uh, a lot of our business is done in the summer because we we host big swim meets and those kind of things. And yeah. uh, the longer we stay closed, the the more detrimental the impact's going to be. Yeah, and that's uh,
1: you know, my son's down to his final few choices for college, and he's going to play football, and it's. Uh, you know, talking to the coaches right now, um, they're in the planning process, but not, you know, you can tell it in their voices. They don't, it's like, well, do you have plans on, Oh no, no, we're going to get together and practice. And if not, we'll figure something out, <laughs> but they, don't, you know, it's, you know, he's a defensive kid. So the defensive will be easier to teach. But I'm like, if you're on offense, you got to learn a lot of stuff. And I'm like, a lot of it's repetition over and over. And, you know, kids are going to struggle with that. And, um, they'll be spending so much time on the computer <laughs> because they'll, you know, usually, you know, it's uh, at school or anything. You're, you're, when I went to college, which was so long ago, we didn't have computers individually. We had computer labs, but uh, now they'll be carrying everything with them. And uh, uh, you know, sports or intramurals when I went, was a time to relax and have fun? And that, that's not going to be there. It'll be computer, 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 computer. And um, it's, it's, it's different. It really is. So it's, I think a lot of them will uh, struggle, uh, but again, uh, they'll overcome eventually and they'll figure it out, hopefully, if they're resilient, resilient enough. So we'll see. Right. All right.
0: So John, if, uh, if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about PJ Marley's and the, the farmer's table, what are some resources they can look up? Um, both PJ Marley's. And the Farmers' Table
1: are on Facebook. They can definitely check out our Facebook pages. Um, PJ Marley's has a uh, website, uh, pjmarleys com, and we're actually um, in the process of having a Farmers' Table website too. We'll have that probably within the next week or so. Uh, but Facebook is is the best way, and they can always reach out to me through. Uh, Buckeye High School as well, if they want to get information on school boards and stuff. So, jstall at buckeyschools.org. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. Well, if you could hold the line for one minute, I'm going to sign off here, and then we'll wrap it up. Thank you for for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioan Show today. John Stahl was our guest on episode 82, small business restaurant owner in Medina, Ohio, and Buckeye High School school board member. Thank you for listening. Please leave a rating on your various platforms that you're listening to the podcast. If you want to email for suggestions on the show, please do that. Please refer to the show notes for references about our conversation. Thank you for listening and have a great day.